0: All right. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it, baby. On today's agenda, I say let's get to the money. Show me the money. I
1: need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better go. Show me the money.
0: All right. So today we're going to sit down and talk with culinary specialist Matt Wernicke and culinary specialist Vernon Joyner. They are the members from our finance center. Better known as Fencing, and they're gonna sit down and discuss a variety of talking points that were submitted on the Book of Faces. (laughs) And then after that, I say, let's get into some positivity and life coaching. Without further ado, let's go! All right, I got the money team in the building. Chiefs, what's going on?
1: Good, good, I can't complain.
0: No doubt. Welcome to the FSO podcast. Can you do me a favor and give the listeners a background of who you are, previous units, and details of your job at the Finance Center?
1: Thank you, CSC. Hello, CS's. I'm CSC Vernon Jarner from the Finance Center. I've been in 14 years. My last unit was a Coast Guard Cutter Confidence. Going down before that was Tracy Petaluma as an A school instructor. Before that, it was a Coast Guard Cutter Oak. And the before that was a Coast cool Guard Cutter Bear and Station New York.
2: And good afternoon, CS Workforce. I'm Chief Warnicky, Matthew Warnicky. Not to get confused, my brother, as many of you have. <laughs> I uh, I've been to Station Chincoteague. I've been on Coast Guard Cutter Marcus Hanna, Coast Guard Cutter Sailfish, Coast Guard Cutter Rollin Fritch, and Station Provincetown. And now I'm here at the Finance Center. Um, we have a unique situation at the finance center with, uh, with our actual job description because we don't exactly fall into the natural realm of, uh, the CS, the CS rating and, and description. We, uh, we mostly deal with obviously finances, but it also ranges to the SK side of the house with the 30 funds. Um, but some of the things we do on our side would be track and verifying all the submissions of the Coast Guard dining facility operating statements um, along with that we, we obviously track on all of your lines of accounting to go with those operating statements um, we assist 366 units with um, needs as far as delinquent bills and, and possibly finding and rectifying those as well as pez errors which are program element status errors it's where you would have a line of accounting that is attached to your purchase card, but it actually is for 30 funds instead of being for the excess 682 funds. We can pay there, and we can switch those lines of accounting as well. Uh, we coordinate with units supply offered, um on mill strip program elements, and um, we do two new things that most of you aren't aware of, and that would be OTC net deposits, which is over-the-counter deposits, and we also have credit card terminals that we now track and um, utilize it upcoming sixth units um, and mostly what we do here is support the fleet and, and customer service that's our that's a number one goal um, is to actually aid in the fleet and aid you guys out there actually doing the mission
0: so i know like every transfer season you guys probably go through a stretch of people submitting their own um, documents so can you explain to the listeners what exactly needs to be submitted with your report
2: that would be for fso relief
0: just just in general on a monthly basis what does what do the fsos have to submit
2: gotcha okay so you know obviously the whole package the operating statement it would be your 2576 which would be signed by the fso and the commanding officer if the commanding officer is on leave or, or not there at the time um due to illness medical whatever and there's an acting the acting CO, OIC will actually sign in their place. That is authorized. Um, your summary 3123, your summary ration memorandum, that needs to be submitted, signed by your XPO or acting XO XPO. Your supply fund report signed by the FSO, OIC, and skill. Your um, sent red receipt SRR, that needs to be signed by FSO and your OIC slash CO. Any 1149s that, that the unit would have for detainees or AMIO, that would need to be signed by the unit SUPPO or the unit's XPO XBOXO. Um, units that utilize MIPRs, um, those would be needed to be signed and sent in along with the package. And then obviously any cash in transit, we would need a copy of your transmittal letters. Um, a lot of units do send in their inventory, but that isn't required. It's nice because we can see it, which is cool. But um, that is no longer required. That hasn't been required for a couple of years now. But some some some, some folks feel feel more comfortable sending that in. That's just fine. More information is always good.
0: So it's two of you guys over at the finance center, and you said it's over 350 units that you guys have to review. How do you guys you got How do you guys divide and conquer that?
2: So here at the finance center, we actually have a team of eight, um, and plus us, so ten altogether. We have three examiners, which are the ones they actually open every one of your reports and break them down line by line, um, number by number. We have five accountants. And we have one lead tech, which is Deborah Smith. I'm sure everyone in the fleet that's at least older knows who she is. (laughs) Um, So our examiners, Robert Caddewalder, Rosa McCants, and Jody Dimitrif, they have set regions. Here at the Finance Center, we break everything down by region, not by district. So um, for instance, the two East Coast 270s, they are all grouped in Region 3. Region 3 would be assigned to a specific examiner Roughly, each examiner is assigned 120 units. We break it down by regions again. So our uh, examiner will have region seven, which is district seven. They'll have region nine, which is district nine, and then region three, which is all East Coast 270s. And that'll be all assigned to one examiner. The next examiner will be assigned another three to four regions, all equaling about 120 different units. Where me and Chief Joyner come into play is we review all of them. We open up just about every report sent in here. Um, If there's errors especially, we definitely look at those heavily and usually try and identify to let the members know what they made errors on. But basically we open up every one of these units' reports and review them um, along with our examiners to make sure that they are using the correct lines of accounting, that they are using the correct um, uh, credit cards and and. They are receiving payments from members, you know, whether it be paid out dove, OTC net or actually sending in trans um, We don't really break it. Me and Chief Joyner work pretty good together. We kind of just feed off each other, so we don't really separate our duties because we're all, we're all one team here. So um, we kind of just roll with the punches on, on whoever gets it in the email box first. We'll check it out or, or whatnot.
1: It's usually Chief key that gets it first. <laughs> it's quick. So by the time I look at it, he's already done with a half of them.
0: So, what are some of the common errors that you guys see that members are making when they submit their report? Uh,
1: I can answer a couple of those. It's mostly signatures are the biggest thing. Uh, missing signatures, the op fact, missing op facts, wrong op facts, not carrying over the numbers correctly from line up 26 to 25 on the next report. OGDs, not claiming the OGDs right, 1149s, SFRs, SRRs, and MIPRs are correct. They're not matching what your block F says, your reimbursable. There could be numerous things, but those are the most common things, kind of the attention to detail stuff. We generally reject, um, in a month, uh,
2: about 60 units um, operating statements. Um, like like Chief Turner just said, they're usually like small, little errors, just little signatures, and and we understand. We know a lot of the guys and 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 uh, women out there, you know, FSOs. They're they're underway. They ain't got good connectivity, or they have other things going on. They're worried about getting their orders in before pulling in. And all that we 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 completely understand. Um, we just don't don't want to put too much pressure on them from our end as well. So we'll usually come on out, wait a few days, a rejection out, wait a few days we don't hear from them again, yeah, we will do it again because we do need them in by by the 10th. Um, If they're late, they're late. Um, There's a reason why we do have a date set for the 10th. And a lot of folks actually do not know this about the Finance Center. Um, The Finance Center here actually closes down for a week every month. We close down roughly in the 23rd or the 24th of every month to balance our books because we also maintain theoretical operating statements here. Everything that comes into this building gets recorded. At the end of the month, we have to send a detailed report up to headquarters explaining what we're doing here. So for the last seven days of every month, we completely shut down. We can't process anything. We, that's when we do most of our investigative work and our team does all our investigative work because we can't actually process any payments. We can't process any of the operating statements. We are literally at a standstill at that point. So if your your dining facility operating statement is in and processed before that deadline, we can't do it until we reopen, which is usually on the first of every month. And that's why sometimes the, the, OGDs, you won't get them at the end of the month, and you to keep asking why. Why don't we get these for like a week, and then all of a sudden we'll get them on the second or third for the previous month? And we already did our report by then. That's why there's also a deadline set for billing people and receiving payments by the fifth, because we need time to process all those payments. If someone pays on the twenty-first of the month, we can't process that because we are shutting down on the twenty on the twenty-third. We cannot process that payment. We cannot send you an OGD receipt saying we processed that because we are currently closed and balancing our books. So that's one of the the things I think the fleet would probably benefit knowing um, just how that works. And it's not, we're just, we're not just blowing you guys off. It's just, we can't actually physically process anything from the 23rd to the first of every single month. And um, towards year end closed out in September, it's usually actually about 10 days instead of seven because we're switching fiscal years from from 19 to 20 or, you know, 18 to 19, whichever, what have you. But uh, that's one of the reasons why some of these OGDs do go back kind of late.
0: Man, thanks, Matt. That's some good information that's definitely going to benefit the fleet. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and slide into these questions that was asked of us on social media. Um, Four members are utilizing pay.gov. Is, there, um, is it somehow possible for FinCEN to place names on OGD receipts to make it easier for members to verify child bills? Because um, I think that's one of the common errors that members are having with Pay.gov.
2: That is. So the the names are actually printed on the Pay.gov receipts. They're not printed on OGDs. So I'll give you a brief explanation of how how we collect that money from Pay.gov. So Pay.gov is a treasury-based system. So that means you log in there, you're logging into sale of meals, you're bringing up your unit, and you're paying it towards your unit, right? It's actually going from you the member who's paying, to the U.S. Treasury, from the U.S. Treasury to the bank, from the bank to us. We don't actually see any of that money. So it goes from Treasury to the bank. They hold on to the money. The bank sends us a file with just an amount and the unit it's going to. So they don't actually send us anyone's names because that would be theoretically a violation of PII because it has their credit card information on there as well. So we see here's the amount, here's where it's going and we get those files. In those files, we get about 4,500 payments a month. So we could go back through pay.gov because we have access to that and match up and put names on every receipt, but there's 3,500 of them and we only have a team here of eight. We broke down the numbers and, and how, how long that would actually take looking up each, each payment and everything else. It would take 36 days to get one month's OGDs and that's someone working eight hours a day for 36 days straight. So it is possible, but I don't think that the finance center would ever hire a team just to do that. Um, so at this time, yeah, until there's until further need, I don't think they would ever ever be able to do that, unfortunately. But generally, nine times out of ten, myself and Chief Joiner, if you call up and you don't know what this OGD is, we can look it up and I can... Ninety-nine percent of the time, tell you exactly who paid it, when they paid it, and and um, if it was paid correctly. So, we're always here. You can always call if you can't. But aside from that, it's just it would be too much to process for us here, with its, with the size of the team that we actually have.
0: Are there any talks on like a software update with it?
2: So they are bringing a new system online. We uh, we actually had a meeting about that yesterday. Um, it's going to change the way we do business on our end. Um, It's supposed to streamline it. It's very new, so there have been talks, but nothing in place yet. It's still at least one to two years out before the entire new system. And this isn't just for dining facilities. This is for all of Supply Fund, which is the fuel, food, um, electronics, uniforms, and the academy. They're revamping the whole system for it. Um, So it involves a lot more entities than just us. Um, That was one of the the points that we did bring up, um, but we just haven't, it's still pretty new. So once we get updates, I will let the fleet and the FSOs know as well um, what the outcome of that will be.
0: Yo, we're seeing a lot of SS deficits, and I know you see them way before I do on your end. A lot of units have been getting themselves in a bind and creating this deficit. Can you explain how unit get themselves in that position, what procedures must one take to get out of it and what must be submitted once they create an excess deficit?
1: So basically with an excess deficit is basically that you wouldn't is just spending way too much money or not carrying over the correct numbers and the most common ones we see most of the time they're not carrying on the correct numbers and that that puts them in puts them over their 10 percent so what they have to do when that happens is it's not a big deal because i know a lot of times we get um Members that call, they're freaking out. They're scared. They're nervous. Um, it's okay, and we can fix it. Our job in here is just to just keep them cool. Let them know that hey, everything's gonna be okay. Um, we'll tell them the memo that's on the, C, what, the CS portal. The CS portal. There's a memo, a deficit in, uh, memo, and we'll basically just tell them it's already written down for you. All you gotta do is put the numbers in, and Just fill it out. If there's a problem where you're not understanding, they can always call us. We can walk them through it. As well as on the 2576,
2: there's actually a ration value on there that we do look at before we talk to these FSOs if they were to get themselves in a deficit. Um, And we can see exactly how much they're paying for each ration that they sell. Um, Commonly, if, if you're and this isn't the pick on lane units, but lane units don't get quite as much As the cutters, because they don't have the SIK, and so they usually spend a little bit more per ration than a cutter would. So we see a ration value of, let's say, 2682. We'll know, okay, you're spending a little too much on food. Let's look at ways to start saving some money to recoup that by, let's changing your menu and maybe making all your, your baked goods from scratch instead of purchasing them from the store. And and that'll also incorporate a little bit of training if they have like a CS2 or CS3, whoever else, you know, wh- whoever they have there will be, a, will be a good training opportunity as well. So that's that's another way we, we try and kind of recoup some of that deficit money. Um, being in a deficit isn't a bad thing, it happens. Um, I think I went in a deficit when I was undercutter on once or twice, it's just, it just, it's the way it goes. Sometimes operations, lead you down that path and it is what it is you won't get in trouble for being in deficit as long as it, you know as long as you're not doing it in malicious of course you won't get in trouble at all where we completely understand we were both operators so um, you know you don't have to be uh, you know upset if you do go into deficit remember do going a deficit give us a call we're, we're here to help. that's our entire job here is to help you to help to help out you guys so there's no uh, no reason for, for you to ever be nervous about going into deficit but again like just submit the report and submit a de- um, deficit memo, obviously you're gonna want your command know. Um, and that's that's really it. And we'll go
1: from there. And Chief knows just to add on to what uh, Chief Warranty said, also when they're filling it out, it tells you how long that you think you're gonna be out that you'll be in a deficit. And we tend to tell people to put at least three to six months, depending on how much money it is. Uh, we don't want we don't like a lot of units putting one month even though we know they can get out of eighty dollar deficit, but well, we'll rather for them to stretch it out a little longer so the crew doesn't suffer for them having to kind of reduce their the bills or the quality quality of the bills.
0: So we have we have tools on board that can um help members out so they can see the status of their account, which is the account status detail report. But I don't think a lot of members are utilizing it and I don't think that they actually understand it. Um, can you guys give a brief explanation of the ASDR? Absolutely.
2: So the ASDR account status detail report is what we take and use to set up your account is your report. Your 2576. Blocks E and F sales sales stores, sale of meals. So if you were to go to your account status detail report, type in your OPFAC, it'll pull up all it'll pull up all your, your bills and your payments. The left side where it says class, is all your bills, and that's a monthly bills. So 3SF, whatever your op-back is, and we'll say 19, which is year 19, 2019, and we could say um, 09. That would be September. So that money, that, that bill we get comes straight off your 2576. That comes off of your block E's and F, and we add those together, and we create a bill. That's monthly. Now, you receive individual payments unless you do one big transmittal. But if you're using pay.gov, you'll receive individual payments to apply towards one bill. So you'll have one bill on the left side, but you'll have thirty to forty payments roughly, depending on unit size, on the right side. When you see those in red on Mm -hmm. the right side, your payments, your OGDs. If they're in red, that means either they haven't applied where there's money still left on those on those OGDs. And when I say money left, if you owed $10 for, for your bill on, on, the, on the left side, but you had a member pay too much, they pay $20 because sometimes they make mistakes, you'll see on your OGD, cool, $20, but right next to it, you're gonna see in parentheses, $10. That's saying, of that $20 that was paid, we only used $10 of it to pay your bill. For You have a surplus now of $10, um, because the bill satisfied. So if you ever have any questions, there's actually a TTP on the, um, on the CS portal that breaks down exactly how to read the ASDR, Account SAS Detail Report, um, as well as you can call myself or Chief Joiner, and we can share screens with you with FSOs, as we have many times, um, and break down exactly how to read that. And actually, a lot of uh, we have a lot of commands inquiring about that um sometimes when we have aging receivables we said we per our sop here at the finance center after after a few notifications if we don't have any results the uh captain here he, he he has us update him every wednesday after the third update he's, he's even on there and it's been on on his list for three weeks he says we need to contact the command and figure out why these bills are still delinquent if we haven't already had a solution or, you know, an answer from them. So then we will usually contact commands and they'll say, hey, how do I read this? How do I read that? So uh, if you ever want to learn, please call us. um, Use a TTP, and then you can actually show your commands as well. I think it's a good tool, especially for the JOs to, to learn as they progress up towards their careers as well.
0: What's your recommendation on when members should reach out to you guys for support?
2: Members should reach out to us for support anytime they feel the need, or if they just want to talk. We're always here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just don't be Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. We're actually, like I said, we used to be the operators. We used to be third class, second class, first classes. We're just here
2: to help. We're here to help. When we were coming up, this position, these positions, they didn't exist. They didn't exist at all. Um, so, I mean, a lot of this was we used to handwrite it and fax it in and everything else. We have a lot more tools now to track it. Um, and, and we're like I said, we're always here. We can always be reached. Our examiners, our accountants, they're always here. They are more than happy to help. Uh, our team here is, at Finance Center is, is one of the best teams I've actually worked with. They, they want nothing but to see our FSOs and our junior members succeed. Um, and they've all
1: been working here for, for a long time. <laughs> yes, one of our accountants was a 28-year uh, chief CS. Or yes F- F- S- 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 Uh Rob Carwater and which he's amazing at the numbers. He can look at the paperwork and tell you if something's wrong just by looking at it. Yep. And he's more than happy to
2: help the units correct whatever's is the issue. So they can I mean, we we have people reach out sometimes just to just to vent to us. Like we're we're chiefs as well, so they vent to us, they'll they reach out, they have some issues with their commands and they don't know how to resolve it, we can we can reach out to the commands for them um and talk to them. And then, um yeah, anytime you need anything, we're here that's that's just the way that's what we're in a business here of customer service
0: as the operator, do you guys have any funny stories that you guys have had when when it comes to submitting your reports like Actually, um yeah. yeah for instance, one of our students they submitted a report and they left the unit name as Coast Guard cutter busted on it <laughs>
2: See about six of those. A month here. <laughs> Actually, it's funny. Uh, before coming to the finance center, the entire team here, um, the accountants, examiners, when they find out who's coming here, they pull up every past operating statement from every unit you've ever been at, and they will pretty much lay them out on your desk in front of you and pull up every little error you've ever made, and they will haggle you for, well, I've been here a year and six months, and I haven't stopped hearing about the one tiny little error I made <laughs> while I was on the, the Coast Guard Cutter Rollins' fridge. <laughs> um,
1: so what about how would you, you fall into anything, Joy? I don't really have anything funny, uh, but I messed up a couple of times on the payroll. But I caught it before I sent it out. So there are a few updates we're going we're to be
2: we're doing um, for kind of streamlining. Um, some of our our payment systems for our larger dining facilities um, And I don't think too many people will know what OTC net or the fact that we even have credit card terminals So I was gonna see if you wouldn't mind if I hijack this for a second. and Just talk about those
0: No, go for it. All right,
2: so OTC net it's called over-the-counter deposit It's a web-based application that takes the place of larger units sending in transmittal letters So, what we do is we have the unit stop doing transmittal letters where they would mail in money to the lockbox and instead we set them up with a local bank within 10 minutes of their unit so for instance Bank of America and we'll just say it's right by um Sector San Francisco so the FSO Sector San Francisco instead of sending out a transmittal letter will log on to this web-based application um on that application is basically an online transmittal. So they'll go in, they'll put, cool, the drop-down menu, they'll select their unit, Sector San Francisco. They'll type in the amount of money that they're depositing. They'll go through and list, okay, I got five $1 bills, I got 10 $10 bills, all the way up to, you know, $100 bills, and then they'll go their coins, you know, one penny, five cents, dimes, quarters. Then they'll hit Submit and that'll send a a file, that'll send that theoretical transmittal file to their local bank, which in this case, like I said, was Bank of America. They'll take that cash and checks and drive straight to Bank of America, and they'll fill out a deposit slip with a bank account and a routing number that we provide, and they will hand that to the bank teller. They will deposit it right there for the unit. Within 48 hours, we will receive that bank file saying that sector San Francisco has now deposited money. We will apply it to their account, and we will send them an OGD receipt saying, yes, we did receive X amount of dollars for sector San Francisco. This cuts down on the unit having to, for one, possibly getting lost in the mail to TransMittals. We've had that before. They go to a lockbox in St. Louis from there to get picked up by the bank. Goes through a lot of hands right there. So that that, that, that erases that Second it's checks, so the FSO is counting the amount of money and and checking it for accuracy. And then when you bring it to that actual bank teller, they're going to count that money and make sure and verify it as well for accuracy there. Three, it's going to save on money orders. You don't have to buy money orders because they actually take your cash and or checks. And then um, four, it saves on postage. You don't have to be bothered with your unit SK or your you know, mail, uh, mail officers that, that have to do that. And then, obviously, you will get your OGD receipt extremely quick as compared to waiting two to three weeks for to come back from St. Louis. The um, second new payment option we are currently utilizing for, for, right now, four units and we have two more coming online is a credit card terminal. Um, members can go in. Eat the breakfast, swipe their credit card, 255 Then go in for lunch, swipe their credit card, 465 Some units choose to run ICAs and swipe their credit cards at the end of the month, depending on if they're a permanent party or, you know, it that all depends. It's situational, of course, and up to the FSOs at that time. But these are instant payments. So when you have a credit card terminal, you'll collect payments for the entire day. At the end of the day, you will settle out on that terminal and it'll send a file to Treasury, to the bank, then to us. Again, within forty eight hours, you have an OGD for that day's settlement. For instance, CSA Yorktown has a credit card machine. They do roughly between five and six hundred dollars of credit card sales a day. Just about every single day, CSA Yorktown is getting a OGD receipt for each day's credit card settlement. So if it's the second of October they're receiving September 30th OGD receipt so it's always 48 hours behind like like OTC net would be but those are instant payments and instant almost instant receipts rather than waiting two to three weeks for uh, OGD receipts to come through um, hopefully in the near future we're hoping to have point of sale systems online um, hopefully before I leave, I'm pushing, that's my goal before I leave here is to get get 27 large units that we have, large dining facilities with point-of-sale systems. Mm -hmm. Um, Funding, of course, is always an issue. And then we're actually working on a new Coast Guard Dining Facility Operating Statement workbook that's going to tie into all of this. Again, funding is always an issue. We're about 25% complete right now with Brand new paperwork for our heavily outdated paperwork that we have. Um, Last year, our contract got canceled for it, but it got renewed. We picked right back up where we left off, which is nice. And hopefully in the next 12 to 18 months, we will have something to present to the fleet. um, Given any, you know, barring any government shutdown, again, that that really put a hold to a lot of things we're trying to do. Um, But like I said, once we make keep making strides this way i'll keep updating the fleet and letting you guys know what we are working on um we are actually working in the background (laughs) uh we're we're always here working and trying to improve the daily lives of our operators because we were also there probably heading back there after here to be honest so we're also trying to help ourselves in a a way so Yeah,
0: yeah there's no there's no doubt in that and i mean your hard work speaks for itself we we see it out in the field um so I got a question, and this has nothing to do with nothing, but I just kind of want to ask it to see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have nightmares of numbers at night?
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 <nightmares> numbers. <laughs> no, we don't have nightmares of members
0: here. <laughs> I just pictured that, that that Ryan Galifianakis meme with the, like all the formulas in the background.
2: No, I have a, during the government shutdown, I'm not going, I got a little stressed out here. We, uh, I didn't have nightmares or anything, but that was was a time where we had a lot of members out in the fleet that were stressed out, calling and asking a lot of different questions, and then we were were stressed about having members, you know, obviously paying their child bills at that time where we weren't getting paid. So we made the decision that myself and the captain of the finance center discussed, not Having members pay till we got paid, right? Because that wouldn't be fair. If we're not getting paid, we can't expect payment from someone. Right. So that was a bit of a stressful situation until he finally approved it. The captain had said, "Absolutely, you know, let's let's go and where I'm on board with that." But you know, having members call up and say, "Hey, I know we're not getting paid. Is there any way I could, we we you know we we felt for the for the for the fleet at that time." Um, that's really the only time that I really was really brought
1: homework with me. I was real stressed out. Yeah. Um, with me, i only been here like close to five, six, almost six months. But the biggest thing I have nightmares about is your word is the gospel here. Your word is gospel. So if you tell someone something, especially these junior members, they're going to go by your gospel. So when you go home, you're like, did I tell them the right thing? <laughs> and then the next thing you know, they give you an email telling you like, oh, this is wrong. This is totally wrong. <laughs> No, <laughs> you just second-guess yourself. You second-guess yourself sometimes. So of the time when you talk to them, you let them know, like, hey, this this is just me just throwing numbers out to you right now. It's not, like, the real numbers, because they will use that number and run with it sometimes. And you're nervous because you want to give them the correct answer. So sometimes I go home, and I'm like, damn, did I did I tell them the, the right numbers? Did I tell them to do the right thing? <laughs> so the next day you come there and try to email them, like, hey, uh, how you looking on that? Send me your report. <laughs> Yeah, there is no real training for this particular job. Not at,
2: all. And not at all. to explain what we do here is, I don't know how to put in words, the, because every single day is different. Every single day here is different. Um, some days we'll deal with, obviously, like the excess six and end of the food. And other days we're going to be dealing with 30 funds, which is not typical of our, our
1: rate. We deal with DLA stuff sometimes. And <laughs> at DLA, we deal with a lot so that that we're kind of like so we're everything here. We're all a team. We're all a team, and, and that's the biggest thing. We're all a team. We all work together to get the job done. But um, yeah, no day's the same. No day, no day is the same. There may be days that it's like really quick and it's busy, and there's some days where it's just like really slow. The phones are ringing, but the next day you come in, the phones will ring as soon as you get in. I know Chief warranty He gets there early in the morning, around six thirty in the morning. And as soon as he turns the computer on, there's people waiting for him, and the phone is already blinking for him, yeah, yeah. So, nice. it, so as soon as we get in most of the time, there's always super just, it's like bubble watching, that's what we call it bubble watching. as soon as he turns that uh your bubble turn your sky turns green, your hands on that redial.
0: Yeah, for us it's our cell phone just ringing all night.
1: <laughs> My cell phone <laughs> is
2: on there as well. Yeah, it's on there as well. So uh... it's fine. I'd rather people call. To be honest, I'd rather them call than, than do something wrong. We exactly. Fix it. We can. In accounting, you can fix everything. Never be afraid. If you if you do something wrong, a member does something wrong, we can go fix it. Never be afraid to, to report an issue. That's fine. And like I said, I'd rather them have rather the FSOs or even if you're not an FSO, you're just inquiring. I'd rather y'all call. If you can't get hold of me at the office, call my cell phone, you know, I'd rather you call and, and that way you have the right answer right off the bat. So you're not stressing about it, you know?
0: No doubt. Well, I thank you guys for taking the time to, um, get this information out to the fleet. You guys have any words of wisdom you guys want to leave our junior members before you depart?
2: Well, I would like to just say we are here for you guys, not just junior members, senior members as well. All of our fleet, we are here. We work for you guys. Um, so like I said, if you have any questions, any concerns, just wanna talk, call us. We're here. Um, we do appreciate everything you guys do. You guys make the difference out there. We're just here for we're just here to be here. Um, you guys are actually making the difference. So, uh, we do appreciate all of the the support we get from the fleet. When we when we do send out emails or something, we everyone always responds real real good and, and real quick. So we, we do appreciate that. Um and like I said, we're always available. If anyone needs anything, we are here.
1: Same thing. Just to figure back off uh, geez, what Chief wanted to say, really appreciate every member, even the higher-ups, too, because it, this job keeps you honest, and it keeps you in that seat as being an operator as well, because um, sometimes when you're away and you're not on that cutter or that land, you kind of forget where you came from where you started at and just being here and listening to some of the uh, pains and struggles that some of the CS members go through even some of the BMCs that are taking over FSO units go through it kind of gives you a better perspective of how humble the shot makes you so I'd like to thank everyone too thank you
0: no doubt well I appreciate you guys again for uh, doing this for us and y'all have a great day yes you do the same thanks guys Well, I don't know about y'all, but I thought that was pretty cool and informative to get behind the scenes intel on what actually goes on at the Finance Center and what's going to happen in the future at the Finance Center. Um, Without further ado, it's time to go ahead and get some positivity on this thing. Let's get some motivation going, some inspiration. So we're going to bring on retired Senior Chief Gabriel Cox to come in here and drop some of that hot knowledge. Let's go. Hey Gabe, how's it going? Welcome to the IDFSO Podcast. Thanks Trey, I appreciate it. Glad to be here. No doubt. So, if you don't mind, can you please do us a favor and give our audience a brief description on who you are and what you do?
3: Yeah, well first I want to say thank you for for inviting me onto the podcast. I think it's really great what you're doing. Uh, I think that it's important to get the word out there to everyone who will listen. Honestly, I, I think that it's something that a lot of folks are looking for. IDFSO is a very challenging job and another voice to help them is, is always helpful. So thank you for doing what you do. Um, so when, when I retired, I kind of uh, wanted to go down the road of leadership development away from culinary arts, obviously, and get down the road of leadership development. And so what I do now primarily is I do leadership development training and executive coaching I have a couple other clients who aren't executives, but most of my clients I find are executive level, uh, C-suite or just uh, VPs and things like that. Uh, my areas that I, I like to focus on are primarily in the areas of first-time supervisors or new executives. I provide them with leadership skills to be successful at what they do.
0: So you were in the Coast Guard for 21 years in which you sacrificed a lot of time serving your country, and i, I like to thank you for that. Um How was that transition from being on active duty to becoming a life coach?
3: Well, that's a good question, man. (laughs) Um, I think that the transition was smooth because I had a plan. And I think that anything you do throughout your career, throughout your life, throughout anything, having a plan and getting clear on that plan is what's key. And so the transition was was very smooth. I loved what I did in the Coast Guard, and I think that as I – as I grew up and I grew more into a manager, I, I found that the the leadership development was the way to go. Um, about two years, about two years before I retired, or uh, yeah, about two years before I retired, I did, I decided that I wanted to use my experience uh, to help people in my next life, you know, in my my civilian life, uh, with what they're challenged on in the workplace, and and really transitioning over into the civilian sector is it's a different world. It really is different out here. Um, but the, the challenges that they face are very similar. Um, coaching was a natural transition for me because I had been doing it for so long and I got the training. Uh, now I, before I retired, I received training to kind of bring it full circle. Uh, there's a difference between kind of coaching mentorship and, uh, being a friend, things like that. And, and I went the route of coaching, um, for for a ton of reasons. But the transition has been very smooth. I love what I do. I really don't work that hard (laughs) Uh, in retirement. I work when I want to, and it's it's a wonderful thing, so.
0: So, you know, like I know that we have a lot of issues throughout the Coast Guard with leadership and management. Um, What are some of the common issues that you find out in the civilian sector, and what are some tools that you provide to inspire them?
3: Man, good question again. Um, so civilian leadership struggles. Uh, well, well, again, you know, I at the core, the struggles are still the same. There's, you know, imposter syndrome. There's conflict. There's all kinds of stuff that folks are uh, have going on in their heads. Um, but I found that primarily with the folks that I work for, work with and help train, uh, a big thing that that I'm running into is is the ability for managers to attract and retain quality and qualified employees it's across all industries i work a lot do a lot of work in the wine industry um and a lot in the manufacturing industry and attracting and retaining these quality employees qualified quality employees has been the biggest challenge the beautiful thing about coming in from the military is that um you have a great attitude you're already determined to work you are a quality qualified employee depending on your skill level and what you wanna do. So coming out of the military, that's not that big of a deal. Civilians have a big trouble because most civilians will go wherever the dollar is highest uh, or whatever opportunity provides them with the most uh, fulfilling, I guess, it fulfills them the most. Uh, It's this attracting and retaining quality employees is mostly the biggest challenge in small business, uh, small business manufacturing. Another area people are looking help for is in conflict resolution and communications. Uh, And one that recently has come up is managing up. And this is that ability to speak truth to power, which is something that a lot of IDFSOs will have no trouble with because they have a lot of FSOs at that because they have that direct connection to the CO or to the OIC to where you have to be able to answer sometimes difficult questions for uh, for the CEO. And so that ability to manage up, that ability to tell the CEO that we can't do this because of budgetary concerns or, or whatever becomes very natural for IDFSO. So those are my big topics, I'd say, that I cover the most.
0: Gabe, yeah, every time we talk, we we, we talk for hours. And um, you have a podcast of your own. And one of your favorite episodes on your podcast is Motivate the Unmotivated. Um <clears throat> Can you can you tell our listeners the name of your podcast, and can you also give some words of wisdom to motivate fellow culinary specialists out there that's struggling?
3: Yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for the plug. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, my podcast is on on my website glcoxcoaching.com, Um, and and I do help primarily first time supervisors. Um, but yeah, so I, motivating the unmotivated. I, I I came up with this one because this is again something that. Is challenging in the CS rating how do you get people how do you get 8 to 10 to 12 to 16 people to deploy downrange for six months a year seven to eight months a year uh, in the hot weather chasing people who are doing bad things for a crew that you know honestly may be a little challenge to to like what you're like what you're putting out there Uh, so it was a struggle that that I noticed you know my my teams were often unmotivated and so it was my challenge it's a leadership challenge To motivate them. And so, really, I I focused on three things. One, well, four things. The most important one is establishing buy in. No matter what we did, no matter what it was, it didn't matter if it was the CS3 checking in food on the pier or the BM3 who was tired of painting. Anything I did, I always got buy in. It's a very simple process. It's attaching things to what they started to do in the first place. What I mean by that is, You want to find out why they joined the Coast Guard. Why did they become a cook? Um, If it's because they wanted to leave their boat, that's fine. I understand that. I get that. Many people decide to do that. And attaching that to what they want to accomplish in the end. So what do they want to do? And what do you want to accomplish at the end? Those are the two things that I focused on to establish buy-in with every single person I came across. Every single person who ever worked with me was getting them bought into whatever it was that we were doing. It didn't matter if we had to fried chicken tenders for midwatch. Doesn't matter. Um, but I recommend for the for the words of wisdom I'm, I wanted to provide for the for the CSs out there, is is three things, and this is really what I want to focus on, is you want to get really clear on your personal values, and frequently check in on how you how well you are in alignment with the Coast Guard values, uh, honor, respect, and devotion to duty. I, found that, I find that a lot of times when people go astray, but either professionally or personally, it's because there's a values compromise. And so you want to become very clear on what your values are and how well they're aligned with the Coast Guards. The second thing I want to offer is to set goals and intentions. And I mean this in every single thing you do all the time. It doesn't matter if it's a difficult conversation. It doesn't matter that you, if you report it to a new unit. It doesn't even matter if you're getting ready to deploy. You want to set a goal and intention for every single thing you do. The more frequently you do this, the more natural it will become. So, for example, my intention is to ride my motorcycle over to my office safely. What am I going to do? I'm going to wear the good, you know, the proper PPE, and I'm going to do whatever it takes. Check my lit, you know, use my signals, all that stuff, to accomplish my intention. So, or my goal. So, something that I did that I found very successful at every single unit I did, and it all started with when I was a young IDFSO, was I, I wrote down a list of eight to 10 goals that I had for my tour there. And so when you become very clear on what you want to accomplish, it becomes very helpful to or very easy to, to identify steps you want to take. And then finally, and you've all heard this a thousand times. I think I did a podcast on this too. You want to find a mentor and I don't want you to take this lightly. Someone that can help you along the way. Someone who will not only coach you, they'll counsel you, they'll console you, they'll be there for you when you need to, to vent. But the other side of this is that they're also someone who's going to hold you accountable. They're going to be somebody who calls you out when you send in your report late. They're going to be somebody that calls you out when you overstretch your budget or when you buy the wrong food. So find a mentor. And really, those are the three things that I recommend aside from establishing buy in.
0: Wow. Um... If you don't mind me asking, I want to I just want to know, like, what's the most challenging thing about being a life coach when when you're faced with different um, personalities and whatnot? What's what's your most challenging part of your job?
3: Well, it isn't so challenging anymore. uh, But early on, early on is is to not is what we call it detached involvement. Right. We, we call it detached involvement is basically I'm about to actually doing a training on it on Thursday. Um, it's about removing yourself emotionally from that person, because it's important because you don't want to get wrapped up in, in their story. I find that in all the people that I work with, all the people that I've talked to, all the people that I've come into contact with, we've all got some core similar struggles, be that fear, frustration, worry, anger, guilt, whatever it is, those core f- core challenges uh, are a common in most people and if I sit there and I say oh yeah I struggle with the same thing I just became involved in your story and so I would say that was the biggest struggle I don't struggle with it anymore because of you know in time you just stop wearing that because your story is not their story so to answer your question that's probably it it's is becoming detached from my clients so and you learn it really quick it's like it's not even something I struggle with for months now so
0: has anyone ever referred to you as the Jedi? <laughs> Only you, Trey. <laughs> Only you, my friend. Oh man, Gabe. Um, this this has been an awesome interview, and I appreciate you taking your time out your day to do this. Can you please for me for one more time? Can you tell the listeners where they can listen to your podcast and and get those tools they need to get through the day?
3: Yeah, man. Thank you again. Uh, you can go to www.glcoxcoaching.com. Uh, I have my links to my podcast there. If you subscribe there, you also get something. Uh, you'll get an email that sends you a PDF of how to identify what type of leader you are. Uh, it's an interactive PDF that you can type in some numbers based on you know on a scaling questions, and it'll kind of show you, hey, this is what you, um, this is what type of leader you are, and some things that might come up true for you. And it also identifies the the five types of leaders in the workplace. So, um, I encourage you to go there. I, I do videos on YouTube. There's links to all of it on my website. Uh, and I really appreciate you taking the time. It, it really—it's special to me to to still be relevant in a service that I love so much and a job that I love so much. So, thank you.
0: No doubt, Gabe. Um, I appreciate it, and have a great day, my friend. All right. Take care, buddy. All right. Bye. All right, so let's do a rehash on what we learned today. So we learned what exactly needs to be submitted on a monthly basis. We learned that there's a team of 10 examiners that's out there examining over 300 reports on a monthly basis. And the common errors that they see are small attention to detail error, errors. Um, we know that if you get yourself in an SS deficit, it's okay as long as you're not doing anything malicious. And what you want to do is check your ration value on the on a daily basis on your 2576 and just know that land units you won't get as much money as a cutter would get if you find yourself in a deficit you want to reach out to chief culinary specialist eric toller and you also want to reach out to fencing and they're going to kind of guide you along the way chief toller instructed me to let you guys know that if you guys reach out to him with your memo he'll get you squared away before you submit it up to your command Um, we learned that your account status detail report, there's a TTP on the portal for you guys that's going to help you kind of understand it. And if you don't understand it, you want to reach out as soon as possible. So the biggest takeaway that I got from this is humble yourself and set pride aside, man. Pick up the phone, pick up the phone and call for help because pride makes us artificial and it's humility. Humility is what makes you real. Everyone makes mistakes. No one's perfect. So with that being said, continue being great. And as always, God bless.